the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, it's the fight week of all fight weeks, and Ken Flo is going to join me at this plush residence inn in less than 48 hours. Great to have you with us. Monday, July 5, 2021, episode 307 of the Anakin Florian podcast. We're coast to coast today. Ken Flo's in the Carolinas. We will not tell you if it is north or south. So I'm here in Las Vegas. Hurricane Elsa, as you know, Ken Flo, has been downgraded to a tropical storm. Um, but yeah. The UFC did not want to take any chances with the floridians the florida-based athletes and personnel so i flew out here yesterday july 4th and uh i'm hunkering down here at the residence inn for 14 days my man here we go john we don't want you to be so comfortable sleeping in your bed you know having all your comforts at home we gotta we gotta keep you alert and hungry for this show kid this is a big one let's go that's the truth. I'm going to start cutting weight as soon as uh, we get off of this <laughs> fine program. So a couple of things I want to get into in headlines, just some news breaking um, between last Monday when we did our Q&A and this Monday. So I want to get into Cyril Gan and Derek Lewis, the interim heavyweight title booking. Also some thoughts on the main event coming up here in headlines. And then, of course, anybody who has been dying to see Ken Flo in the Venom fight kit gets their opportunity this weekend you know, they fit pretty snug, Ken Flo. So um, I don't know what size they have for you, maybe medium or large. But uh, I got you a Patriots T-shirt, by the way. I have some gifts for your son, Archer. I got you a Patriots T-shirt. I got you a large. It says, like, number one dad on the back or whatever. <laughs> oh, thank you. And But thinking that that you, you could shrink it, right? Because if I buy you a medium, you probably wash it, and then you can never dry it because it won't fit the right way. So I bought you a large. It looks like a goddamn tablecloth, so it's way too fucking big. John, these are all, these are all euphemisms for you saying you've. I'm I'm a little chubbier than I was before, uh, and I'm most likely a large to maybe all extra right, large. Yeah. So well, that's yeah. it. Well, if I didn't laugh at the uh, the rub of your joke, it's because you cut out for a minute. So uh, sorry. Oh, we sorry. have yeah. gifts. We have gifts for you when you okay. get here. Um, and only one of the gifts, by the way, is optional for you to take home. Because I brought you some uh, Anakin Florian podcast. Why, why am I, like, giving away everything that I gave away? So I got you some Anakin Florian podcast monogrammed egg weights. I have them with, yeah. you, with me. I Beautiful. think they're either the two-pound version or the one-pound version. But the question is, do you have, you know, do you want to take those weights with you, you know? I do. All right, great. Absolutely. Well, here. 100%. I'm sure, I'm sure True will be uh, shadow boxing in those weights. All right. She will. A lot to get to today. So uh, as many of you know, my eldest daughter, Riley, is at overnight camp for the first time in Otis, Massachusetts, and she's going for three and a half weeks, right? And part of what they try to do, at least early on, especially for the younger campers, you don't get a chance to talk to these kids, right? Because some of them may be homesick, and uh, when they talk to their parents, it makes it worse. So I waited fucking eight days to talk to my daughter, right? And she finally gets on the phone. And she is inconsolable, literally spent the entire 15 minutes, like begging me to come home. And then finally, no. bro, talk about breaking your heart with 90 seconds to go in the call. She's bawling her fucking eyes out the whole time, like just inconsolable oh. and 90 seconds to go. She's like, I only have a minute and a half. Can I please talk to Tatum, who is her younger sister? I'm like, oh, I'm going to fucking literally flood my house with tears right now. 
So Tatum gets on the phone and Riley's like telling her how much she misses her and saying, please, you got to find a way to get me home. And like, oh, no. so like, what do you do? You know, like you got to stick it out, uh, you know, but what do you do? Yeah. Oh my God. That is tough. That, that, that definitely will pull at the heartstrings. Um, you know, leaving home for the first time. I mean, I, I remember my, my younger brother, was, he could not be away from home. I mean, he did not like being away at camp and I was there with him. So, you know, I had to kind of console him. Yeah. Um, so that is tough. I will say this is that they will build a sense of independence and sense of strength that they didn't know they had as well. So it's like, it's part of those processes. Of like you got to learn to walk, but you know, they're going to fall. And it's yeah. like, yeah. so that's hard, man. Yeah. It's I, a I'm weird not at thing. that stage yet. So, yeah. I'm certainly not going to force her to go back next summer, right? Like, I think a lot of parents, for whatever reason, really want their kids to go away. And this was all her idea. And maybe she went mm -hmm. um, a little bit younger than she should have. But, uh, right. man, you know, the next phone call, right, is going to be this weekend, uh, July 10th, of course. And I'm not going to be able to do it because I'm out here for UFC 264. And I'm right. just praying that she isn't begging to come home again because we're not bringing her home. I mean, she's going to... Uh, suck it up and tough it out. But uh, I always said to my wife, and I didn't even intend to go too long on this, but I said to my wife, when we talk to her in a week, honey, there's a much better chance she's going to be fucking begging us to stay seven weeks than begging us to come home. And boy, was I wrong on that. But uh, man, can't wait to see her in uh, in a couple weeks. So, all right. So the UFC announced an interim UFC heavyweight championship fight between Cyril Ghosn and Derek the Black Beast Lewis for August 7th at UFC 265. So Francis Ngannou, it took 13 UFC fights to finally become the UFC heavyweight champion. And about three months into his title reign, the promotion, unceremoniously or otherwise, is having an interim UFC heavyweight championship fight. Now, certainly other champions have been extended a much longer leash, right? We could talk about Thug Rose Nama Yunus when she first right. won the belt. Uh, on and on it goes, right? Um, we could talk about Stipe, of course, who went a full year between title defenses at times, you know. And I do think some of these things are a case-by-case -case basis, right? Jessica Andrade ill-advisedly defended her belt three months after she won it and lost to Zhang Weili in China. So there's a lot that goes into it. I don't know the inner workings of the communication between Francis Ngannou in the UFC. And largely, Kenny, when Ngannou comes back and defends the title, I don't think it's a huge deal that there will be an interim champion. But the MMA masses and the fan base was absolutely shocked by this news. And they do feel like in some way, shape or form, the promotion is undercutting the new heavyweight champion a little bit by putting an interim belt on the line so soon after he won the undisputed title. All right. Um, you know, listen, I, I'm always going to defer with the fighter uh, more often than not. I, I think that, you know, when you're talking about a fighter like Francis Ngannou, who has worked hard to get there and finally become champion, you know, these guys, they want to hold on to their belts as well. You know, I don't think it's unreasonable to, you know, wait another month uh, to fight for the belt. And I think the UFC has big plans for them. I think they get very excited. They want to book the big fights. Uh, and, and Francis kind of telling them no, I think genuinely upset them, obviously. And this is kind of a fuck you to Francis Ngannou, uh, to be candid, uh, of saying, okay, well, you don't want to fight. We'll book another one. And we can you know, make another belt. And guess what? If you go any further, you know, there's other ways for us to penalize you. So it's tough. You know, I, I think these are kind of bully tactics that a lot of promoters will try to do. Um, it's unfortunate. I, I think that they will work itself out. I think 
you know, ultimately the power does lie with the champion as he holds the belt. Um, but, um, you know, and again, I also have to say that I don't know what the inner workings are or what the uh, communications are between Francis and what was promised to the UFC and back and forth. So right. it's a tricky situation for, for both parties, um, and uh, I think it will get resolved. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't hate the gone, um, you know, Derek Lewis fight. That's a good well, fight. Right. And that's a whole nother angle, right? Derek Lewis will be the home underdog in Houston. I mean, he owns that arena. And I think if any athlete, can really be sort of bolstered by a crowd. Like I absolutely believe that it stands to reason that that crowd could be a performance enhancer for Derek Lewis on August 7th. Like that is just a special relationship between the city of Houston, Texas and Derek Lewis. But a lot of fans were upset when I sort of tweeted, you know, we all anxiously await Francis and Ghana's first title defense, but man, that Derek Lewis walkout in Houston is going to be something. Now I'm not on any side of this. Certainly the promotion cuts my check, Right. But Francis Ngannou, when he won the heavyweight title, he needed to go to Cameroon and celebrate with his people. Like, that's what he needed to do, and that's what he did. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. that Francis was able to do that. And if that delayed his first title defense, then so be it. I think the only real issue, if you can call it that, is going to be when Francis Ngannou is defending the heavyweight title for the first time, and they do a stare down. Derek Lewis or Seattle gone is going to be standing next to him with a belt over his shoulder and probably shouldn't have a belt on, you know, but at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, it kind of is what it is. And generally speaking, I am actually more in favor of interim champions and interim title fights than most people. Um, Whether it's because you need a title fight or you need a main event or what have you. So uh, enough about that, but I'm very excited for the fight. Cyril gone about a two and a half to one favorite and going to be very interesting to see, um, how that fight plays out over 25 minutes or fewer. Um, So uh, I just want to get a few thoughts from you on Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor, because the trilogy is this weekend. And even though Mm -hmm. you're going to give sort of an extended prediction later uh, in our main event challenge, I just want to do some treetop stuff on the main event here. If we can. So Dustin Poirier is now a slight favorite in this fight. And he has not talked about Kenny as one of the all-time great UFC fighters. And maybe if he is, I'm just not privy to those conversations. And I don't know if I'm asking you, like, what a second win over Conor McGregor would do for Dustin Poirier's legacy. But when you look at the body of work that Dustin Poirier has put on paper, you know, he was one of the most accomplished featherweights in the UFC before he moved up. And now he has 11 goddamn wins at lightweight to Conor McGregor's one win at lightweight. Yet... When we talk about the all-time greats in this sport, people don't seem to land on the name Dustin Poirier, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, listen, obviously he doesn't have the same kind of star power uh, as Conor McGregor does. Um, And, you know, it's guys like Dustin that are are rarely appreciated. Here's a guy that um, has worked his way up from the very small shows, uh, the small regional shows in his area, uh, local to regional uh, to WEC, to eventually the UFC, going from 145 to 155 and dealing with all the adversity in and out of the cage, quietly, uh, you know, amassing an excellent record. Um, and he was kind of always the guy that we were surprised by, you know, oh, wow, you know, what what a performance. I didn't kind of really, re- you know, all expect right. that from Dustin. And he would just do that little by little by little. And I think that's where 
most of real greatness comes from. It's like those little, while everyone's kind of looking at the, the shiny, flashy, expensive things, it's those little things that are building up in value little by little by little. And I think Dustin Poirier has done that to an extremely high level. And in my mind, he is one of the best fighters in the world. He is um, you know, one of the best lightweights in the world. And he just might be the world champion, uh, you know, within a year or so. So um, I, I think he still has that hunger. Um, he has improved as a fighter. I mean, so much in all areas. Oh, yeah. um, so he, he's just a hard worker that, um, you know, and, and a good guy who, who is, um, I think, continually trying to get better because of that hunger, because of where he comes from. And I know the Hall of Fame conversation can fall on deaf ears in large part because it's a one man voting body, right? UFC president Dana White. But you have two different cases in Tony Ferguson and Dustin Poirier, right? Two former interim UFC lightweight champions who never broke through and won the undisputed title. That obviously is a far more realistic goal, at least right now for Poirier than it is Ferguson. But I'm just curious sort of how the fan base looks at those two athletes in terms of their UFC careers, because every time Dustin Poirier has faced adversity, he has responded with flying colors. Go look at the first McGregor loss, you know, reels off four more wins. Then the main event against Michael Johnson in Hidalgo, Texas in 2016 loses in less than a minute, right? When he was on the cusp of greatness then. And the only man to beat him since is Khabib Nurmagomedov. So I don't know, as I was studying this fight, this thematically just kept coming up for me that like, man, I look at this fucking wins list and I was thinking to myself, man, in terms of McGregor's legacy, a win over the 2021 version of Dustin Poirier would be huge. But it's like, what about Dustin? Like, is this dude right. a UFC Hall of Famer? You know, what the fuck? You know, the Fightville kid. He's not just the, the kid from the documentary anymore, you know? Well, absolutely. And, and another thing, you know, he's not that guy who is blessed with a tremendous amount of athleticism or a tremendous amount of strength. He, you know, he's not that guy that wows you with what he does, but his fundamentals, his work ethic, his mindset, uh, I think is what makes him elite. Um, you know, and, and you look at Connor, you know, they're very different people. They're very different fighters. Um, and, you know, I think that's what makes this fight so interesting is the contrast of the flash of Conor McGregor and essentially everything he does and, and kind of the quiet, um, you know, more conservative nature of Dustin Poirier. I think it's fascinating uh, contrast. So when you were in the prime of your career, we were spending a lot of time together and you were driving from Boston to Bristol, Connecticut to film MMA live during these training camps. And I remember, I think it was during the Diego Nunes camp, you know, you showed up, you're probably like 159, right? <laughs> like three or four weeks before the fight, it was going to be your last show. And I remember we had a lot of conversations about not revealing your hand, right? Not talking yeah. too much on MMA live about what you've been working on or what you're going to do. And you sure. were pretty good, not unlike Dominic Cruz. He's gotten worse lately, but keeping things fairly close to the vest. Yeah. I will admit to being surprised with how forthcoming Dustin Poirier has been um, with the verbal leading up to this fight. It's certainly registered on McGregor's radar. He said, man, he's talking an awful lot lately. He did, did, didn't extend it. Sit down with the ESPN's Brett Okamoto and mm. Dustin had a lot to say about potential adjustments from McGregor about things he could do in the third fight. And, and none of this is necessarily breaking news. And I don't even know if there's any great comment for you to come back at me with, but I'll admit to being very surprised that Dustin has been so forthcoming with details about what might happen in the third fight. He's just, he's just overflowing with confidence as far as I'm concerned. And that's why he doesn't seem to be keeping anything tight. 
I don't know. I think, I think that's the case as well, John, from what I've seen, I, I think that, you know, uh, Dustin has always been looking for those breakthrough performances and he's been trying to prove himself his whole life and throughout his whole career. And he still feels like he doesn't get the respect. I think that last win against Conor McGregor truly validated him as a fighter. And I think it just reiterated that belief in a lot of ways that he can be a, an actual world champion and not an interim world champion. Um, and I, I think that, yeah, I think he's so comfortable. He's like, I'm just going to reveal it all. The problem is when you do that, you do give a lot to your opponent. And, and uh, let me say this, Conor McGregor is not a dumb guy. He's a very smart guy. He's very sharp. He knows the, the fight game inside and out. Um, and he will take that information. I think the less information you give the enemy, the better. Um, and it's much better to surprise than reveal and try to follow through on those expectations or on the, the, that kind of game plan. Right. Like if Dominic Cruz had released his footwork videos like five years ago, I mean, maybe nobody would have bought him. Right. But I would have been like, dude, what are you doing? Right. But now he, I agree. You know what I mean? So I agree. If you were one of Conor McGregor's coaches, right. I mean, you have this amazing piece of clay, right. There may be no more dangerous round one fighter in the lower weight classes than Conor McGregor, but public perception seems to be very consistent in the belief that if this fight goes into rounds three, four or five, the pendulum swings decidedly to Dustin Poirier. So from a coaching perspective, if Conor McGregor is your athlete, I mean, obviously there's a huge amount of focus on trying to get Dustin out of there early, but do you think Conor McGregor can sustain as he did in the Nate Diaz rematch and, and beat Dustin Poirier over 25 minutes? Or do you think it has to be a finish? I I do think he can listen. I, I think there's a couple things here. Um, The first is, is his approach. Listen, did he guess or was he fighting on one leg? In in my opinion, he was fighting on one leg and that will lead to a desperation that will lead to um, getting to an emotional level that you're just not prepared for. All right. Uh, No matter how good a shape you're in, when you're fighting on one leg, you will freak the fuck out more often than not. Um, So I think, you know, that's not something that Connor was really used to. Um, I do think he can pace himself for five rounds. I think there's a couple things, um, you know, with that, though. Um, In my opinion, and and this goes against what many people believe, Conor McGregor is not the kind of guy who moves forward and just throws one punch and knocks you out. That's not the way it works. He utilizes you to knock yourself out. What does that mean? You look at all of his other knockouts. Jose Aldo was leaping forward. He gets out of the way. He lands a counter shot. He knocks you out. He needs your momentum to be precise, counter shot you and hurt you and then take you out. He was taking the role of the bully against Dustin Poirier and walking forward repeatedly and just looking for a knockout, not only looking for a knockout, but to me, forcing a knockout. Someone as experienced and as good as Dustin Poirier, you cannot do that. He did the same thing against Nate Diaz, and he will he will land on you. He, he yeah. he's got that kind of offense. He will he will bring it to you. However, he's got to let it come more organically, and he's got to be more of a counter striking sniper. That's when he gets his knockouts, not when he's out there forcing, just trying to unload on you, uh, combination after combination. Prior to the rematch on Fight Island in January, just to back up your point, Dustin Poirier sat down and said, 
to us that that Conor McGregor is the best counter striker in the UFC. You know, um, no question about it. He he gets in. He just gets out of your. He's he's pursuing, but he allows you to throw. He gets out of the way. Then he lands. Same thing against Eddie Alvarez. I mean, do you look the the level of counter striking that he showed against Eddie Alvarez is something you will rarely, if ever, see at the UFC level. Connor shows a counter-striking that is extremely rare, extremely rare in mixed martial arts. If he could be that guy and remember that he is that guy, um, then he could have a great night against Dustin Poirier. Looks like 65% of the bets thus far, and this is a broad generalization, but 65% of the bets thus far have been on Dustin Poirier. So when I sent the odds out mm. to our show last week, Connor was favored, and now Dustin Poirier is uh, the betting favorite, which I find to be pretty interesting as well. Um, but I do feel like there are a lot of lazy takes on the Connor McGregor side out there. And Dan Lambert, uh, I believe I watched an interview he did recently where he just talked about how underrated Connor McGregor is because we make so much of the man, the myth, the legend, everything yeah. that encompasses the total package that is Conor McGregor, that Dan Lambert believes that we underrate him as a fighter. But in terms of that second fight, I don't know how long ago, uh, and I guess for you with the steel trap memory, it doesn't really matter. But two weeks ago, I went back and watched that second meeting between Dustin and Conor. Like, Conor won the first round. I mean, yeah, he got taken down mm -hmm. and hit it in, but he landed the better shots. He was very close to landing a seminal blow. So those who suggest that, you know, Connor is so up against it seven months after losing the fight. Like, dude, he won the fucking first round. Like, you know, right, so. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. These are adjustments that can be made. These are things that he can change and switch up quite easily. And this is not to take away from what Dustin Poirier did, because Dustin can certainly make adjustments as well. I think that's what makes this fight so unpredictable and, and so tough to call. Um, I, I can't wait for it, man. So Conor McGregor's UFC debut was April 6, 2013 in Sweden, a couple weeks before my daughter Tatum was born. So I did not go on the trip. But thank God Ken Flo was there to scream at the top of his lungs. This is why everybody's been talking about Conor McGregor. <laughs> and that sound bite obviously has lived on in infamy, but it will be very exciting when they lock the door behind these two guys. Real quickly, in terms of, of Conor McGregor's legacy, that's why he's back, right? He's not back for... I mean, he'll cash the check, as we said repeatedly, but he's back for legacy. And as it stands right now, Kenny, he is one and two at 155 pounds in the UFC. And were Conor McGregor to lose this weekend and fall to one and three in the weight class that many of us believed he would do his best work? I mean, that would be pretty stunning. And I don't know, man. I don't know how much you think this result this weekend is going to tell you about like where Connor stacks up with the elite fighters right now. Uh, there's always pressure. A lot of fighters say every fight in the UFC is must win. But could you imagine if next week we're sitting here doing the show and and Connor's one and three at 55 in the UFC and and completely out of the championship mix? I mean, I don't know, man. It's crazy to me. Like this is his weight class and, and he just hasn't really been able to to get untracked at 55 for whatever reason. A hundred percent. I'll say this. I, I think that um, it, it is kind of coming at an interesting time that, you know, when the, the time that he should be fighting at 155 pounds, he fought an absolute animal in Habib Nurmagomedov, a, a terrible stylistic matchup. There will always be a terrible stylistic matchup for him. Um, so he may have lost to the greatest 155 pounder of all time. Um, but um, I do think that he also it also came at a time when he was also a multimillionaire um, and he got there extremely quickly. His stardom 
right? His ability to attract as, as a major athlete, as a major personality is both his strength and his weakness. And I think that going from being, you know, a kid who's trying to make it from Crumlin to being a superstar in a very short amount of time, and then a multi multi-millionaire where now, you know, you're being, you know, driven to practice in, you know, a Rolls Royce or, you know, having bodyguards or not able to go anywhere or, you know, going from, you know, a, a, a rusty old gym to a brand new facility that you've built yourself. Uh, you know, these are all things that can play with you a little bit. Um, and, and this doesn't include, you know, the hundreds of millions of dollars that he's made off of his whiskey brand right, and all that. Right. This is, this is a really tough thing to deal with, you know, um, in, in a lot of ways, more money, more problems, right? So I think that getting that passion back, um, I think is a difficult thing. We will find out either, uh, it, it, two, two ways this fight can go. He goes out there and he wins quickly against Dustin Poirier. That won't tell us if, if Conor McGregor is back. Right. If he goes five hard rounds and it is a war and he wins in a battle of attrition and will and heart, then that Conor McGregor is back, you know, and and that could be the case. You know, maybe he wins and he still has that and we just don't know about it. Yeah. But to me, that Conor McGregor, that defeated Chad Mendes, that guy that brutally cut down 145 pounds that had to travel, travel cross country, I believe to do, go do interviews at ESPN in Bristol and come back to Vegas to fight amidst that horrible weight cut and that uh, torn ACL that torn knee and he still won and he was, he was getting beat up and he kept, you know, getting back to his feet and walking forward. If that dude shows up, then every 155 pounder is in big trouble. Yeah. I, I just don't the, know if I that's going to be the guy. That up. And you're right. Like granted, Chad Mendez did not have a full training camp, but stylistically that was sure, like the worst right. matchup at the time. He had a torn yes. ACL. He's going coast to coast. And I understand <clears throat> And Dan Gay said, you know, I'm not a guy that needs an extra little push, but certainly Dan Gay's son, Bam, has provided whatever extra little push. But generally speaking, if you can wait to procreate until your fighting career is over, I strongly recommend that. I just don't think having a bunch of babies around, if you're a man who feels any guilt, self-inflicted or otherwise, to contribute as a parent to your young children, I can't even imagine what it's like as a mixed martial arts athlete. You know, I feel awful just being away. I'm not even fighting, so I can't even imagine the sacrifice that all the fighters have to make, and uh, I do believe it can take away some of that primal quality a little bit that uh, that helped a lot of these guys along the way. So uh, plenty more on that coming up in the main event challenge. Cody, I, I understand you have a, a question from uh, from last week on this fight from one of our uh, viewers, Triggs Magoo. John, what are you expecting to be different in McGregor Poirier 3? Do you think both men will have evolved game plans? So <clears throat> I think Dustin has a pretty good idea of what he is going to do. I don't think that he's going to get away from throwing the calf kick as he has sort of intimated leading up to this fight. Dustin has also intimated that he thinks Connor is going to throw some calf kicks. We'll see. We'll see. I think Connor has to address that weapon. Kenny, namely just not have the leg be there. Um, but I do think that you're going to see Dustin Poirier be a little bit more measured early on in the fight. Um, he did go for a takedown about a minute in. So I do believe that you're going to see, not that he'll be getting on his bicycle, but I do believe that you'll see a little bit more of a measured approach from Dustin Poirier early on, uh, in terms of adjustments on the McGregor side, Kenny, um, given how big a factor that calf kick was in that second meeting, is that something that you think they need to, uh, they need to address like 
right out of the shoot? He better have. He yeah. better have. A couple things. You know, when you watch, and I think we talked about this on the podcast uh, post uh, that second fight, uh, but the wider your base is, right, with, as, your, as your legs get wider, um, the lower to the ground you're going to be. That means you can generate more power from the floor. That You'll see a lot of boxers who like to hit hard. They'll sit, right? That's what they say, sit down to your punches. You lower your stance so you can generate more power. The problem is when you lower your stance and you get better stability to the floor, you can't move as well, right? The lower we get to the floor, you know, the, the closer we are to the floor, but we don't get as much um, speed, right. W with our movement. So for him, he's it's probably going to be a fundamental change in his stance. He's going to have to be a little bit more upright. He's going to have to be a little bit more bouncy to get in and get out. He's gonna have to faint his way in way more than he did against, uh, Dustin the first time out. And it's going to be more leg and hip faints. The first time he was low to the ground, he was kind of just creeping his way in you're putting so much weight on that leg, which means it's going to be difficult for you to remove that leg. And if it's difficult for you to remove that leg, Dustin Poirier is going to kick that leg. Yeah. Right. So, so there's so, it's a fascinating matchup. I, I, the approach is going to be amazing. So really curious to see how that, that, that goes down. Yeah. And it is interesting too, in terms of Poirier's commitment, right. And just all the trust and faith he has in his training partners and the strategy and the game plan, right. Even when he had some compromising moments in that first round, if you go back and watch the minute around one, you know, any chance he gets to just touch that meat on that calf, you know, and there were three or four times he landed towards the end of round one and went right back to the well at the beginning of round two. And he's just very disciplined. He stays the course. He's exceedingly accurate. The right hand that sort of ended the fight. I mean, man, did Oof. he not miss. So uh, very excited to see how it plays out, obviously, here in about five sleeps. And I would also submit the fight island atmosphere is so surreal. Right. Even though we had a few fans in the building that I do think it stands to reason that Connor and Dustin both could be uh, could be lifted up by this crowd and making the walk at T-Mobile Arena with a bunch of yeah. fans. It's just going to be a much more normal fight setting. And I think in particular, when it comes to uh, to Connor McGregor, <clears throat> that is something uh, that could pay dividends. All right. So I bought two Ray Longo minute T-shirts. And as soon as I wear one, Ray Longo is not taking his call. So we're going to get to the pronunciation of the week. We're going to make our picks in the main event challenge. And then we will try to catch up with Ray Longo over the course of the next 45 minutes. Um, but Cody Merrow is our executive producer, and he is charged with trying to improve his record of three and five in the pronunciation of the week. This middleweight faces Trevin Giles this weekend in a prelim fight on ESPN. He is 1-0 in the UFC. And as of five days ago, Cody, nice to see you, my friend. I could not pronounce this man's name. This one's pretty difficult, I think, if you don't have the benefit of listening to the file. Good morning, my friend. Good morning. And no, I didn't listen to the file. So <laughs> You're not supposed to. Yeah. Well, good. Because, so, uh, but I think. What do you got? So this man's South African, so I think that's probably why a lot of people get tripped up. Drickus Duplessis. Drickus huh. still knocks Duplessis. Come on. Let me hear it again. Drickus still knocks Duplessis. 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 So we Damn. emphasize the last syllable, and it is Drakus. So, uh, I mean, when you butcher the first name, I don't even... Drickus still knocks Duplessis. That's Drickus. Play it again. Drickus still knocks to Plessis. That's Drickus. <laughs> I voiced it as Drakus. Maybe I'm going to get a call from uh, well, the bosses that we need to yeah. revoice. It's Duplessis. I got that wrong. So. All right. 
And you want to know why I got it wrong? Hang on. So I did not read the file or listen to the file, as is evident by my terrible pronunciation. But I went and watched South African cricket of a guy whose name is Duplessis, who plays cricket. He actually got hit and has like brain damage now. But I went and did the research. So all right. Sorry. Well, fans. we appreciate your contribution. And again, if the listenership wants to lift you up and uh, and give you the win here, I have no problem if they want to chime in. Ken Follett's a no for me. Any? Uh... Yeah. I mean, look, what is he like a French South Africa? Du- Duplessis? I mean, what's that? That, that was uh, well, that's, next level hard, dude. That's what I get because I did the research, but I sent John a family name meaning, and it said that it was like a French Huguenot name. Because it's South African, and so like I just overthought it, man. This Sorry, game fans. will humble you. This game yeah. will humble There's you. There's no doubt yeah. about well, it. Just uh, buy a shirt. You don't. You don't have to argue for me. Just buy shirts. Well, it's, <laughs> it's funny because I'm trying to find something on my phone, but my <clears throat> my daughter Riley's middle name is Kate, but it is short for Kajamieta, which is a Polish name, I believe. And uh, so Riley looked up Kajamieta to find out what her middle name meant, and. I can't find it on my phone right now, but it's pretty morbid. You can look it up. It's like, uh, it's not a nice thing, um, but I can't find it on my phone right now. So I digress. All right. UFC 264 McGregor versus Poirier three is all set for this weekend. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC has a knockout offer for this fight. How about this? DraftKings offering 264 to one odds on a knockout in the first round of Saturday's main event. So if this rubber match ends in a first round knockout, on either side, you will walk away with the cash. You just pick the main event fighter you think will win, either Poirier or McGregor by first-round knockout. DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 264-1 to 1 odds on that fighter. And I hear from knowledgeable MMA fans all the time, and I don't believe there's any better way to truly put that insight to the test than to try to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. And if MMA is not for you, no issues there. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds on promotions like basketball, hockey, and so much more. I'm betting baseball every day on there. And DraftKings is also safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ANIK when you sign up, A-N-I-K, to turn $1 into $264 when you bet on a main event fighter to win by first-round knockout. That's code ANIK to turn $1 into $264 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLE. All right, eight picks to make on UFC 264. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, nothing quite like a main event challenge during a Conor McGregor-led pay-per-view fight week as we welcome in the duck Ian Parker on social media. He is at Ian Parker MMA, and I think the best thing that happens to you is when we give you a week off and we bring in one of our great listeners to make picks because the avalanche of support from the Anakin Florian podcast listeners is legitimate for uh, for the duck. I hope you feel that love. I do. I, I do feel the love. It's funny. Whenever I'm not on, though, I get like a tweet or something like, yo, did you get fired? You quit? Like, what's going on? I said, no, I said, look, sometimes I get the week off. Sometimes other people got to jump in. You know, they get very, they get very concerned. My, uh, my fellow ducklings. So, uh, they don't want to see, listen, they don't, they don't Duckling. like when I leave for a week. They don't, yeah. That sounded really weird when I said that, but, uh, they don't like when I leave for a week and then Kenny wins four to one. That's just, uh, that's, right. that ain't kosher, bro. Right. That ain't kosher. 
Well, it's good to see you, and we have no fewer than eight selections today. It is UFC 264, Poirier versus McGregor 3, as the UFC returns to T-Mobile Arena with fans for the first time since March of 2020. And the first fight for us is going to be a featherweight, and it will feature Ken Flo in the red corner of Ryan Hall wearing a Venom fight kit. But Ryan Hall is the plus-180 underdog here, Ian, against the undefeated minus-230 favorite Ilya Topuria. <laughs> Kenny, I can assure you, is not going to tell us what they're going to do or what they need to do to uh, to hand Topodia his first loss. But uh, obviously, this is a significant challenge for Team Hall. Ian, let's start with you, Topodia. Some would say prohibitively favored here against the thus far perfect in the UFC, Ryan Hall. How do you handicap this one? Oh, man, I'm sorry, Kenny. I, as, look, I, I <laughs> this is so awkward because this is your guy and cornered. No, um, no, no. Look, I, I th- when I heard this matchup, I thought this was a very bizarre one for Ryan Hall, to be honest. Um, I'm guessing due to the lack of opponents, people don't want to fight him. Someone was willing to step up, a young guy who's a prospect. I just think that Toporia is too much of an athlete, physically gifted in this situation. I don't think he should be this heavy of a favorite. I find that to be a little bizarre, being what Ryan Hall has done. And it clearly shows Hall's striking has come a long way to match that wizardry on the ground. But I, I like Taporia here on a betting standpoint, too high to bet it straight, especially with Hall being so unpredictable. I do think Taporia, though, um, will be able to shut that down. So I'm going to go with him here, and I'll allow Kenny to do the underdog. And hopefully you win, bro. I'll root for your guy 100%. Kenny, I'd imagine there are a lot of striking improvements that Ryan Hall has made. He's talked in the past, too, about just the standing grappling improvements that he's made in clinch situations and the like. He has one of the craziest career resumes of all time. Pro debut in 06, right, which he lost. And then he went like six years before his second pro fight. But he's won eight professional fights in a row, undefeated in the UFC. Had that exhibition loss on the Ultimate Fighter to Saul Rogers, which was a two-round decision. Um but both of these guys, Kenny, undefeated in the UFC, something's got to give. Uh, I know you're back in your guy, but what can you tell us about what's in front of Ryan Hall this weekend? Yeah, listen, I, I think that Ilya um, is, is a legitimate problem uh, for a lot of people at 145 pounds and wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, sitting in the top 10, top five at some point um, in his career and, and potentially be a champion. I, I do think he's that talented. Um, he's a black belt in Brazilian jitsu. He's an excellent wrestler. He's an excellent striker. There are no known weaknesses in my opinion from him. Um, I think that, uh, he's a guy that, uh, loves to move forward and loves to pressure. Um, and you know, we've worked very hard and very diligently and trying to, um, deal with all those problems that he's going to present. I think that it's been a little while since, since Ryan has been in the octagon. I think that is a great thing and also a, not a great thing, um, you know, for a lot of people who haven't been able to see Ryan. Um, but, um, you know, injuries aside, uh, Ryan has been training throughout and I think, um, he's going to be able to show a, a lot of those improvements. I am going to be so fucking distracted with Kenny in the corner. My bosses listen to this show, so hopefully they'll hear that and, and, and give me a longer leash. But I'm just going to have all eyes on fucking Ken Flo in the goddamn corner. Ian, I uh, in the corner if you keep talking like this. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, all right, next fight, Ian, we'll have you lead off on this one. But rest assured, Ken Flo is going to lead a lot of these fights down the stretch. At welterweight, how about this one? Michelle Pareda, minus 177. Nico Price in the room next door right Good now. Fight. So plus 140 13th UFC start for the 31 year old father of five Nico price who is must see television. I think the same can be said for the consummate showman, Michelle Pareda 37th professional fight for the 27 year old Michelle Pareda. 
couple of UFC wins for him late in 2020, Ian, to give him some momentum coming in. About a two-to-one favorite for Pareda. Any value on Nico Price? And ultimately, Ian, which way are you going? Is he, re- is he really in the room next to you? Can he hear this right now? Um, <laughs> I like Nico. He's a cool guy. He's fun. He's a character. I think this is a terrible matchup for him. I think Pareda... Um, a focused one, a disciplined one who doesn't do the Cirque du Soleil nonsense is legitimately can be a top five guy in this division. His size is both these guys are big for the division, but he carries it a little bit differently. His striking is very precise and he's a black belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu. If you know, and his cardio, I mean, we finally saw in that last fight. I like that. We saw three rounds out of him. He didn't get tired and chaos Williams pushes, pushes forward. You see what chaos can do in a three round fight. You know, Nico's a wild guy. But sometimes too comfortable on his back, willing to throw crazy stuff to compromise his position. I like Pereira here. I thought he was going to be a heavier favorite. I actually think this is one of the better plays in the night bet-wise value. People might think I'm crazy for saying that. I think that if he's composed and disciplined and doesn't act like a huge a-hole with the flips, he's so dangerous, and I'm going that way. I think you set that up well, Ian, and I think everything that you say kind of dovetails with what Pereira said leading into his last two fights in terms of discipline and coming to Vegas, leaning on the UFCPI. Pareda Kenny wants to prove to Dana White and Sean Shelby and the fan base that he can actually have some staying power and not just be an entertainer. Um, and I would also point to that Chaos Williams fight, right? The two takedowns late. I mean, he had plenty left in the tank, and uh, I thought he had a dominant third round there. Kenny, what do you think about Pareda here, about minus 180 against Nico, the hybrid price? Uh, you know, to me, the odds look right. Uh, I think that Pareda is the f- uh, favorite for a reason. Uh, not a whole lot of disagreement here uh, with what Ian said. I think that uh, it's Pareda's fight to lose. I think he's the better fighter here. I do think that Nico uh, is dangerous, um, has some power, has the ability to maybe grind out around here and there. Is he going to be able to do that against Pareda uh, enough to where he can get a decision win? I, I don't think so. Um, I, I think that Pereira is such a gifted striker, um, and he's one of the one, one of the elite. I think, in my mind, I think this is one of those fights that, you know, given what Nico has done and seeing you know how dangerous he can be, if he makes it look easy here and um, is able to win with relative ease, then I, I think the the sky's the limit for Pereira. This card is so good, right? I mean, you look at this batch of these ESPN prelims, and that brings us to the featured preliminary contest. Carlos Condit, Max Griffin, Ken Flo. We'll have you lead here. Max Griffin, minus 190. The natural-born killer, Carlos Condit, plus 150. So Max Griffin is 5-6 and six in the UFC. He's yeah. 35 years old. But yet when I watch him fight at times, I feel like he's a guy who looks like he could make a run if he put it all together. He's got two straight wins and and obviously getting a huge matchup and fight here in the fan favorite and former interim champ, Carlos Condit, Kenny Florian, Griffin, Condit, who do you have? Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I I think that um, both of these guys have been pretty inconsistent in what we've seen from them. Um, It's hard to tell what Carlos Condit is going to show up for me. I I think that he's a guy who has a a tremendous amount of talent. Um, I I think that if his footwork is on, uh, he should be able to win this fight. It's a close one. I think Griffin uh, for me probably has more firepower. Um, And um, I I think Condit is probably the better overall grappler grappler. Perhaps Griffin is the better wrestler here. So this, this is a close one that, that could go, um, a few different ways. You can argue that Griffin is the fresher fighter, you know, years wise. Um, but, um, 
I don't know. I, I think that, um, you know, Condit's been fighting a long time, but I do think, you know, his last performance showed some promise. I do think that, um, you know, he's starting to get his bearings back a little bit and we're seeing some flashes of brilliance for him. I'll go with Carlos Condit here. Ken Flo likes Carlos Condit plus 150. And when you see me look at my phone, just know it's either something going on with my kids or so I had to come out here early. So I was supposed to go to the eye doctor today. Now, I don't know if you guys care about this or not, right? I literally, these contacts are fucking bleeding my eyes right now. So I'm trying to get contact lenses overnighted to Las Vegas. You didn't even right know you had contacts. That's a new one for me. I am yeah, the, the contacts make my eyes red too, John. That's fine. <laughs> well, no, but so I've been wearing these for like, yeah, right. Hey, I haven't even been to the goddamn dispensary yet, okay? But my <laughs> eyes are bleeding because these lenses I've been wearing for three weeks and they're two-week lenses. So I was just trying to coordinate. I'm trying to get my wife to send lenses to one of my coworkers in Vegas, and that's why I was I was listening, but I wasn't looking. All right. Condit plus 150 for Ken Flo. Ian, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I don't love that play. I, I understand why. Um, you know, I also think Kenny's friends with a lot of guys that he was fighting with, and Kenny was one of the smarter ones that got out before. He, I, listen, Kenny, I love you, bro. I know exactly what you're doing over there. I get it. Um, you know, here, here's the thing with Condit. It's hard for me to really gauge where he's at when going four losses in a row, beating a Court McGee who didn't throw more than three strikes, beating a Matt Brown that was very hesitant in that fight. You know, Matt Brown didn't throw a lot in his last fight. He landed that one punch to knock out Lima. I just think a guy in Griffin here is going to be too much pressure, too much output, too much of a pace. And with the wrestling grappling, Kenny's right. You know, Carlos Condit's a better jujitsu practitioner, better grappler. But when he gets placed on his back because of that, that's kind of also his Achilles heel. He likes to sit there. He doesn't really throw up too many submissions. You know, he's just comfortable not getting submitted. And Griffin has no problem sitting in the guard and controlling and raining down punches and strikes. I like Griffin here. I don't love it because he also makes a lot of mistakes in his fights, getting a little too overzealous with some of his uh, wild throws and punches. But if he fights smart, and another guy who stays disciplined is a really still a good prospect, even though he's been around for a bit. So I'll go with Griffin here. And Max Griffin did just welcome a baby boy, Tyrus Jax Griffin, on February 27th. Not just, but uh, seeing how he slept during training camp when we talked to him in a fighter meeting here in a couple days. All right, at Bantamweight, guys, Sean O'Malley, Ian, huge price here, minus 835. Of course, he was to face Lewis Smolka. Instead, he fights the New Englander, the short-notice UFC newcomer, Chris Motino, who is plus 525 stepping up here for the staff infected Hawaiian Smolka and making his debut as a huge underdog against Sean O'Malley, who is 13 and one and coming off a knockout of Thomas Almeida earlier this year at UFC 260 IP. Who do you have? I was really hoping Marab was going to take that replacement fight and they would give him the little Phil Dosh treatment. Marab goes in, wins, no damage, still fights Marlon Marais in a couple of months. To me, that would have been the right play. Listen, this division <coughs> has so much depth. Um, looking at these, looking at these rankings, O'Malley, what is he, 15? It's kind of crazy. Um, but again, he's fighting someone, a newcomer. I think it's a very weird fight to accept. I don't see what he gains from this, unless if he gets like a crazy knockout in 10 seconds. You got to pick him in this fight. He's been training this whole time. I don't know what this other guy has, you know, on such short notice. So I'll go O'Malley, but hey, I'll, I'll root for an upset here. That, that would be uh, quite a storyline. So... Yeah, I mean, Ken Flo, the regional film is out there on Chris Motino. I think he's 2-2 two and two under the CES banner over his last four, but he has won two in a row. Um, what are your thoughts on what's in front of Sean O'Malley this weekend? 
Yeah, listen, I, I think that uh, for Sean, uh, this is a fight that he should most likely win and win pretty easily. Uh, I, I think that um, Sean, Sean is definitely a very talented striker. He, he's a very good fighter. Um, and I, I think he'll most likely uh, look very good in this one. All right, you guys have my focus now. My contacts are being overnighted to our UFC producer, Mike. There we go. And all is well that ends well, but I just had to. Hey, we need John to see. We need uh, John to see. I'm telling you, I'm so nervous, right? I'm literally having nightmares about waking up and having to wear glasses <laughs> on television. All right. Picking Big fight for the women. River kid? What's that? Fall River? You're picking against Fall River, kid? You guys better uh, not show your faces around Boston anytime soon. I'm telling you, fucking Fall River's <laughs> finest, Tisha Torres. I always tell her, if Tisha Torres breaks through and wins a title, we're claiming her. Born in Fall River. All right. Big fight here for the women at Bantamweight. Top five contenders, Irene Aldana minus 125. Yana Kunitskaya is the even money underdog at plus 100. And I think Yana really seems to be coming into her own. Two straight wins, four of five, since she fought Cyborg for the title at featherweight in her UFC debut. Aldana came up short, Ian, as you well know, when she stepped up a level against Holly Holm over five rounds last October. Here, Aldana is favored, IP. What do you think about this one at 135 pounds? I like Irene, Irene Aldana here. I really do. I still think she's a solid prospect. You know, one of the better strikers in the division, like in pure boxing. We've seen her on the ground. With Yana, it's pretty much clear. Stay off the cage. Don't let her clench or else she's going to hold you there and dirty box you for the entire fight and do nothing else. Because, and that's what she's good at. And that's okay. Like, I understand it. You know, against some of these other fighters with less experience, she's been able to implement that plan and do really well. I just don't think against Aldana, she's going to get too close. I think Aldana knows how to use her jab. She knows how to really keep the distance. And I think she'll be able to do that for at least two rounds and get the win. My only concern is that the first round that she gets clinched up because she won't be as sweating. She'll be held there and she'll have to come back. But we've seen her do it before. I think she's going to be the way better striker. I like her in this one. I'm surprised the odds are this low. I think it's kind of a gift, to be honest. I would have had her at minus 165. So I like Irina Aldana here. All right, sounds like a straight wager on Aldana for uh, for Ian Parker. Kenny, what do you have on this one? Yeah, I like Aldana as well. I, I think that um, she's the better striker for sure. I, I think that's where she needs to keep it. Uh, utilize that uh, that reach, keep her on the outside, pepper, pepper her from the outside. Don't get overconfident because Kanitska, Kanitskaya is very tough and will not go away uh, easily. Um, so, yeah, if she could um, you know, defend that clinch, stop the takedowns, uh, I like Aldana here. I was a little disappointed with Aldana's last performance against Holly yeah. Holm, but I think uh, it was certainly a, a fight where she learned a lot. Um, Holm looked fantastic. So, um, yeah, yeah, I like Aldana here. And ultimately, we're trying to win money for the listeners and the viewers, right? Like, I'm not giving you an opinion on this fight, but I would just tell the listenership, like, if Ken Flo and Ian both land on a side that's, like, minus 125 and there's some sort of conviction, like, I'm literally pausing the fucking podcast and going to bet on Irene Aldana. So uh, <laughs> we'll see if that number stays in that minus 125 range. At close, all right, at heavyweight, very curious to see where you guys are going to fall here. Ken Flo, we'll lead it off with you. Tied to Ivasa is the favorite. Minus 143 against Greg Hardy, who comes back at plus 115. Hardy stopped by Marcin Tabora his last time out. That was December of 2020. The shoe Ivasa, tied to Ivasa, has won two in a row after that three-fight skid. I like this matchup. I like the timing of it for both guys. Kenny, who do you think emerges, tied to Ivasa or the Prince of War, Greg Hardy? I think both are capable of finishing the fight. I do think Hardy, obviously, with his firepower, um, you know, could hurt Tuivasa, but 
Um, if Tui Vasta throws his best shot, I think he knocks out Greg Hardy. If a Greg Hardy throws his best shot, he maybe knocks out Ty Tui Vasta. You know, Tui Vasta just has a, a chin from hell. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, he's he, he looks lighter on his feet to me. He's throwing more weapons. He's not just forcing a knockout. It seems like he's more patient. He's more comfortable in the octagon. He's maturing um, despite drinking beer out of weird people's uh-huh. shoes right. and stinky shoes. He is maturing. Um, so I like to Vasta here. I, I think, uh, I think he wins this here, uh, but whoever wins this uh, and however this plays out, it's going to be an exciting fight. I think uh, there's no other way this thing goes down, but it being uh, kind of a slobber knocker. So many of our listeners know I've done a Shui Vasa or a, a Shui on the air on the Anakin Florian podcast, but like it was my own spit and right. my own shoe, right? Right. Like, Someone else's fucking loogie in someone else's shoe that they've been fungus, wearing. fungus, ringworm filled shoe. Yeah. At like, no. and they've been wearing it to a UFC live event, right? So if they tailgated yeah. first, right, Ian? I mean, Sounds I know good, none of dog. us are big drinkers per se in this room, but uh, I don't know. Hard man. Pass. Someone else is spitting in someone else's shoe. That's a no for me. I mean, I don't really drink at all, let alone why. I mean, I don't, I don't know why this cool. even is. A, I don't even know why this is like a cool thing. I'm so confused. Like, it, to me, it's just gross. Like, if you're in college and you're hammered and got to eat like a jar of mayo and do something stupid, like, all right, you can blame it on that. But like, can you just like wait and have it out of the glass or drink it out of the bottle? Like a, a random right. person's shoe. Like, for you even forget COVID. Like, it's just I don't get guys- it. Did you guys see yesterday at the Nathan's hot dog eating contest? They had the inaugural chugging champion. The lemonade. Yes. The lemonade dude, bro. How is the putting down a gallon of lemonade? <laughs> like you know? nothing dude. So he look, but he looks like he's been pouring <laughs> a lot for the winter. He's a, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. They practice that. There's a lot no, of, of course. And I do think that if you show up to a chugging competition, having like run five miles dehydrated, I mean, you could put down some liquid, no doubt. But, man, if you haven't seen it, it's on my Twitter feed. Go watch Amazing. this dude put down a gallon of lemonade. Like uh, Shout to Joey Chestnut, too, by the way. 76 hot dogs? Over I'm nauseous about it. I can't over, watch that. Over 50,000 milligrams of sodium? In <laughs> That's how he's feeling it. He's feeling it today, boys. We're concerned about the sodium. To me, it's eating more than, like, two hot dogs in the heat with nothing. Uh, just, oh, it's, so, yeah. it's so nasty. That poor oh, toilet. Uh, I want to, I'm curious what Dr. Florian feels about all of this. Can't be great for your long-term health. Ian, I don't believe you gave us a pick on Tui Voss and Greg Hardy yet. Who do you have? I didn't get a chance. I'll go. uh, I'm more excited about this lemonade hot dog combo, but um, I like Tui Vasa here. I I just think that what he is doing lately, like an AKA, you know, new gym training, he's taking it seriously. He's not just going in there playing rock and sock and robots. You know, I think he just has more elements and levels to his game than Hardy does, you know, between the clinch and as long as he could just stay away from the power of Hardy, which he could also take a shot. I do think he gets it done. I like to Ivasa. I do think as we hit the midpoint of 2021 and we are still without a punishment for the main event challenge, I do think that whoever loses between you two should have to shave their beard. But if you guys are not willing, then maybe we'll do some sort of chugging competition. Um, <laughs> But Ken Flo, like that beard, I mean, I guess it depends on your TV schedule. Ian, would you be willing to shave your beard if you lost? Um, All right, say no more. 
I mean, well, hold on. No, no, no. I should say yes, because I'm not going to lose. Right. You got to say I Like, I clean this up for TV. So does Kenny, but I'm not losing. So, look, I'll shave my eyebrows. I'll shave my beard. Kenny, shave your eyebrows. <laughs> I, uh, no, no eyebrows. If I have a little break in the, in the television schedule, and you know, I would do it. Um, I right. don't He's think that my loved face, ones bro. around me his, would love to nice see this face without face. a beard, but... I have like yeah. a fat face, even when I'm skinny. Like he's got a skinny face. Oh, I look weird. I look weird now without, without. But the it's beard like now. shaving cream and a straight razor on your face. Like we're not trimming it. Yeah, but, no, uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, at some you. point in time, we're going to have to figure we'll out discuss. punishment here. Uh, <clears throat> all right. But it is 76 to 60. All right, co-main <laughs> event: two former world welterweight title challenges. Fourth ranked Stephen Wonderboy Thompson minus 155. Second ranked Gilbert Dorino Burns is plus 125. 17th UFC appearance for both men. One of them is 11-4 and one. The other is 12-4. and four. The betting line has been bouncing around a little bit on DraftKings, so you may want to selectively fire here. Thompson was minus 186. Not all that long ago. As of this taping, Kenny, he is minus 155. Gilbert Burns coming off the title loss to Kamara Usman. Thompson has won two in a row. He is 38 years old, but has looked outstanding of late. Co-main event, Burns, Thompson, Ken Flo, who do you have? Yeah, listen, I, I wouldn't want to be fighting Gilbert Burns uh, coming off that loss against Usman. I, I think that Gilbert Burns will be fired up. I think he chose the one and only training partner, the best training partner you can hire and bring into camp, and that's Raymond Daniels. I've worked with Raymond. Um, he's a brilliant uh, karate fighter, uh, one of the best strikers on the planet. Uh, that's the kind of guy you need if you want to beat a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Now, can he do it? Is it enough to do it in a short amount of time? I don't know. The, the good thing for Gilbert Burns is that he's not a one-trick pony. He's not just a striker, and he's not just a jiu-jitsu guy these days. He has knockout power in his hands. We've seen that. Um, he does have solid takedowns. He has some of the best jiu-jitsu in that division. Um, so, and, and he's got a great, great training partners. He's got a great camp. However, one doesn't just beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in one training camp. You need probably seven training camps of training for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Unfortunately, I think. Can he? Sure. Will he? I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. I think Stephen Wonderboy Thompson wins this uh, with his footwork, his ability to get in and get out. He's such a tricky guy to deal with. It's one thing to train for it. It's another thing to see it happening live for real at Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's speed right. in front of your face. Um, so I think that Wonder Boy wins this. I still think he has it. I still think he he's the only striker who could potentially beat Usman. Um, that, that's my opinion. So I love I love the fight, um, but I, I do think that Wonder Boy um, wins a decision against Gilbert. All right, Stephen Wonder Boy Thompson by decision. Ian, obviously, I'm in South Florida with Gilbert Burns. I work out with his strength and conditioning coaches. Notice I didn't use the verb train. I don't train with those guys. I work out with them. Okay, <laughs> let's be clear. Um, but as much as I love Raymond Daniels, like to me, I think Gilbert needs a floor fight. Like as powerful as he is, I think he needs to pursue a floor fight at all costs. You guys are the experts, not me. Um, but I don't know, man. I just think Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is a challenge unlike any other in this sport. And I agree largely with a lot of what Ken Flo said. Certainly Gilbert Burns is a five-tool player. Ian, do you think he has enough to get past Wonderboy this week? I actually don't like this matchup following the Usman fight, to be honest. I just think that Wonderboy's takedown defense is so underrated and so improved over the years. And I think he's just a smart 
fighter who trains really well. He stays in shape year round, you know, and his striking <coughs> is very unpredictable. Second and none. Raymond Dales is phenomenal, but to Kenny's point, training with it for X amount of weeks and so, compared to someone who's been actually implementing that style for years, it's like night and day. You know, it's for me, Wonder Boy, the way he fights, he's not looking for the knockout. If it comes within his flow of strikes, that's how it does. He doesn't force it. I think that's Gilbert's problem. I think he comes in like a bull and he forces it. And that's what kind of gets him gassed a little bit too. Like if he doesn't land that knockout, he gets picked apart, you know, and I, I he has to get this fight to the floor. If he doesn't put Wonder Boy in his back, he loses straight up. I agree with Kenny here. I think it's Wonder Boy by decision. All right, both guys like Steven Wonderboy Thompson by decision. And again, the price, at least on DraftKings Sportsbook right now, a lot better than it was about 48 hours ago. And I do think divisionally speaking, right? I know Kamar Usman at times has called out Michael Chiesa. You know, he wanted that Jorge Masvidal rematch. And Wonderboy kind of understood that he was going to have to take a fight. But if Steven Wonderboy Thompson wins this fight, with respect to, to Colby Covington and Leon Edwards, I think that the fight that a lot of fans are going to be interested to see, to Kenny's point, is Usman and Steve. Sign me up. Thompson, you know? All right, yeah. main event at UFC 264. Ian, I'm going to have you lead here. Dustin Poirier, minus 130. Conor McGregor, plus 108. Huge legacy fight for both men. And, of course, for Conor McGregor, as we mentioned off the top of the show, trying to avoid going to 1-3 and three at 155 pounds in the UFC. A win is going to set up a championship opportunity, Ian, for both guys, I would think, against the undisputed king, Charles Dubronx Oliveira. A lot of pressure on both men seven months after their second meeting. Ian Parker, dying to know who you think wins the main event and ultimately how they get it done. Cody, would you mind just replaying my breakdown from the last fight so it could save me the time? Because I'm doing the exact same thing here. I think it's Dustin Poirier. I do. I think it's Dustin Poirier. I don't really see why that changes. Um, Connor's posting pictures and videos of riding a bike in the street and flexing means nothing. That's what he does. I don't think they've brought anybody in to challenge him in the gym. I think it's been Connor's biggest problem. Having Dylan Dennis there as his jiu-jitsu coach, fine. But who is there that's a better striker in that camp? When, when, excuse me, Ian. Excuse me, Ian. Artem Lobov. Like, can we just not disrespect the goat on this podcast? That, that's all I have to say. <laughs> I love Ian's deadpan. Cool. <laughs> cool. Good point. Cool. Great. You know what? I'm taking Connor because of Cody. Um, look, I, I just like I said, I, the calf kicks, the combinations, and Dustin has now felt Connor's power. He knows what he's got to do. He's got to stay away from it. He can mix in the takedowns. Connor can try and play the mind games. Oh, let's box. Let's see who it is. Dustin's like, listen, this is MMA. This is why I'm the better MMA fighter. I think if Dustin wins, championship. I think if Connor wins, I don't think Connor fights Oliveira still. I don't think Connor wants that fight. I think if Connor wins, I think he maybe wants the, maybe like a Masvidal or some sort of like legend bigger pay fight. But for me, Dustin wins, gets a title shot. Connor loses. Nate Diaz trilogy. And there it is. Uh, Man, I don't think Dustin gets it done in round two, though. I'll give Connor a little bit more on that one. I'm going to say round three, TKO by Dustin. All right, Ian Parker likes Dustin Poirier by round three, TKO. You can flow. Your mic is hot, kid. What do you have? Yeah, listen, um, it um, wouldn't be a huge surprise if Dustin wins this fight. Um, I, I think that for me, I think I struggle with is it me wanting to see, you know, vintage Connor, the creative Connor, um, the martial artist Connor McGregor? Um, is, is that too far gone? Um, I don't know. I, I would like to think that it's not. I would like to think that Connor McGregor is coming back 
um, because he still wants to fight and he genuinely has that passion and he wants to right the wrong. Um, I, I, when you look at his last fight, as we talked about earlier in the show, this wasn't a situation where Connor just got his ass kicked. He was winning this fight. Um, I, I, this is no disrespect to Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier is the more consistent fighter. He's the guy that you can rely on that he will fight to the death no matter what. He was the guy that you can know that he put in that work for a training camp. Uh, so it seems contradictory that I'm going with Conor McGregor here. But Conor McGregor is the more talented fighter. He is the more talented striker. He is the guy who has more weapons on the feet if he uses them. If he has learned from his last fight uh, against Dustin Poirier, I assume that he has. I would like to think that he has, and I would like to think that when the going gets tough, that that old Conor McGregor shows up and decides to fight to the death or to fight to the very end and not give up like he did against Chad Mendez. Um, so um, I, I think it's not going to be an easy effort, but I do think that Conor McGregor gets it done. Um, I will go uh, with Conor McGregor by third round TKO. Wow. Because And the other thing is, you know, Con how many times do you get Conor McGregor at an underdog against a guy who, yeah. you know, who he matches up well against, right. you know, uh, listen. And again, Dustin is going to be a tough out. And I think he's the more consistent guy, but Connor at underdog odds. I'm going to go. For yeah. it. No, I can understand that line of thinking. I, uh, I do have an inkling as to who I think is going to win the fight, obviously, because I'm calling it. I'm not going to share it, but I just can't get past this number that if Dustin Poirier wins this fight, He'll have 12 UFC lightweight wins to McGregor's one. Like, I know mm -hmm. Connor is the former first simultaneous double champ, but, like, we need to put some respect on Dustin Poirier's name when it comes to this Hall of Fame discussion, and you can be sure I'll do my part on the broadcast this weekend if he is able to get it done. All right. On social media, you can find the duck at Ian Parker MMA. And I have a surprise for you this weekend. I have special duck socks, okay? Let me go grab them real quick. Hang on. I can't wait to see these things. All right. So here's – so because I'm going to see Kenny for the first time in two years. So I bought these as a present for Ian, okay? See the duck talk, <laughs> right? So – and I was going to give these to Kenny to give to Ian because you guys will probably see each other before I do. But then I thought maybe I'll surprise Ian. I'll wear these on Friday on UFC Live, and I'll shout them out in my Instagram story. So um, I don't can know. You wear them on your, can you wear them on your hands during the broadcast? <laughs> well – Either way, just know that I bought these as a tribute to my boy, and I will wear them uh, this weekend in your honor. And then I'll wash them and give them to Ken Flo, and you can have them. <laughs> That's weird. Thank you. Um, Not drinking I, beer out of them, just so you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, IP, yeah. I like the little cameo there by uh, Ryder Parker. Thanks for uh, the time today. And uh, yeah. we're turning and burning next Monday for Tiago Moises and Islam Akashev. So uh, enjoy the pay-per-view. Uh, don't be a stranger. Don't be afraid to text me. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, kid. You got it, man. See ya. All right. Ian Parker with the main event challenge. Yeah, I can see why you went Connor, man. I really can, you know. Um very interested to see how the main event plays out. And one guy who obviously will have some thoughts on this is Odd Sharks Joe Osborne. Let us get to the pick to click. Time now for the pick to click. The pick to click. All I have to do is bet on the winner, and I'll never lose. I 
John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, time for the pick to click. Odd Shark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to Odd Shark and start playing like a shark today. That's oddshark.com. Don't forget the second S. His energy is infectious. His hair looks really good today, too, by the way. On social media, Twitter, JTFOZ. On Instagram, he is Paper Chaser Joe, sports betting analyst for Oddshark.com. The great Joel Osborne. Good morning. Guys, good morning, fellas. It's hard to compete with Kenny in the hair department, but thankfully uh, he's, he's wearing a hat, a hat today. On, so, uh, yeah, it's covered so, up. You know, makes me look pretty good. I'll take it. Thank you for the compliment, John. I appreciate that. You do not look like a father of young children today. You're looking good. <laughs> it's a big week. And uh, Thank you, my man. as you see, I'm already here in Vegas because of that hurricane threat in Florida. Beauty. So uh, we're ready to go. I know you've got some thoughts on the top three fights. So I want to mm. begin with the main event. And these odds have bounced around a little bit. I know when I first reached out to you, actually, about 10 days ago, it looked like Conor McGregor was a slight favorite. Now in most spots, at least where I look, Dustin Poirier is a slight favorite. What can you tell us about this main event and ultimately where your action may fall? Yeah, so it's close, right? And I am a little bit surprised uh, with the line movement here, but you can really make a great case for either guy. For McGregor, the, the situation is kind of similar to the Nate Diaz fights in that, you know, that first Diaz fight, he seemed to underestimate him and that really backfired. He ends up getting finished in the second round. And I think he did underestimate Poirier back in January. You know, it seemed like it was, he just thought it was a foregone conclusion that he was just going to walk right through him, ends up getting finished in the second round. He did, however, bounce back really good for the second Diaz fight, came out with a great game plan, ends up picking up the W. Uh, so there's some similarities there in terms of the situation. Also, if you pick McGregor in this fight in January, those same reasons still very much, much exist coming into this fight. McGregor, still one of the best offensive fighters in the sport. Poirier is a guy who does tend to get hit a lot, right? And we, we do see him in these firefights. So those reasons, you know, you can make a really good case for Conor McGregor. As for Dustin Poirier, he's just a couple of months removed from becoming the first man to ever finish McGregor by strikes. He's also on a great roll here, guys. He's only lost once in the last five years. The guy he lost to, the lightweight goat, Habib. So there's no shame in that. And the most important reason and the reason why I'm picking Dustin Poirier here is because he is the much more durable fighter you know we've seen him in there time and time again face adversity in the cage have his back up against the wall and still being able to perform at a very high level when hurt i don't think he can say that about conor mcgregor there's not a whole lot of recent examples of that you can look at maybe the uh the chad mendez fight maybe maybe parts of the ds2 fight to be fair but for conor it seems like a fight needs to go to an exact blueprint for him to win. And I don't think Poirier is going to fall into that blueprint, you know? Um, and there's this narrative floating around, rich man can't fight. I do buy into that a little bit. And what I mean by that, I don't think Connor's going to be any less motivated. I don't think he's going to try any less hard, but I do think when his back's up against the cage, maybe he's a little hurt. Maybe he's a little tired. It does make it a little bit easier to give in and fold. Like we did see in the second round of their fight, back in January. And guys, I say all this as one of the biggest Conor McGregor fans. That there is. Take my job out of it. Take the betting out of it. Conor McGregor's my 
second favorite fighter of all time, GSP number one. I am Canadian uh-huh. after all. But you got to look at this stuff in hindsight, right? Outside of the 145-pound weight class, Conor McGregor is a 500 fighter. He's just three and three, and he was finished on three occasions. And I do think he's ultimately was hurt when he he left the sport at his absolute peak after that masterpiece against Eddie Alvarez. He left the sport to fight Floyd Mayweather, and he had a ton of inactivity in what are supposed to be the prime years of an athlete's career, right? So I think that that's hurting him. Like I said, though, still one of the best offensive fighters in the sport. So how do I think it's going to play out? One big takeaway from that first fight, of course, I think we'll see some calf kicks again. Dustin's going to test that out again. But how easy did that takedown come for Dustin Poirier in the opening round of the fight? Um So I do think maybe he does come out with a wrestling-heavy game plan, at least early on, to try to win McGregor, suck some gas out of him a a little bit. And, you know, one thing I don't like about McGregor, I am such a big fan, but he comes out like he's trying to uh, tease Poirier a little bit, like uh, first one one to shoot's a dusty bitch or something like that was, I think, what he put out. It's not a boxing match, Connor. Why would Dustin make it easy for you and just stand there and box with you? You know what I mean? So I, I could see Poirier, you know, the first round at least, going wrestling heavy, tried to uh, yeah. tire McGregor. Because what do we always say about McGregor? It's like Francis Ngannou. If you can get out of the first round with him, you know, then your chances improve. So I do think that is the case. I won't be surprised if McGregor wins. Like I said, it's very close. But I think there's more evidence to back uh, the diamond in this one. I like them a lot more as an underdog, though. Joe, uh, a delicious appetizer right before that fight. Uh, Gilbert Burns uh, taking on. Uh, a very tough Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Mm. Both Ian and I uh, picked uh, Wonderboy. Uh, how are you picking this fight? Yeah, very tough fight, right? And I absolutely do lean Wonderboy to get the W here. But my best bet for this fight would be for it to go to decision, which you can get at minus 110, pretty good odds. And Wonderboy, obviously, a very unique style, right? And that style tends to dic- dictate the pace of the fights that he's in. And this is of the seven of his last eight fights going to decision, including five five-round fights. And the one fight that didn't go to decision was when he got KO'd by Anthony Pettis. And if you look at what, guy, what the guys have done since that fight, that looks like a, just a gigantic outlier in Wonder Boy's career, right? So I do think we're in for a long fight. I will be very inter- interested to see what Burns' strategy is coming into this one. I do expect a feeling out process like we do tend to see in Wonder Boy fights. That's going to chew up some clock. Um, I think you would expect Burns to go for some takedowns here. And he hasn't been very successful with his takedowns in recent fights, really. Just three for 14 in his last four fights overall. Uh, Wonder Boy's takedown defense, pretty good. 78% in the UFC. And failed takedown attempts tend to chew up some clock, right? So I hope to see these guys pressing right, up against right. the cage a little bit. So, yeah, I do, I do think we're in for a bit of a longer fight. I lean Wonder Boy. I just think he's a uh, difficult puzzle to figure out there. But I do see that one going to decision minus 110, I think, is a pretty good bet. for the I like that. I like that, Joe. Minus 110 for Gilbert Burns and Stephen Waterboy Thompson to go the distance, which means you wouldn't have to pick a winner. Just the fight would have to go mm. to 15. All right. One fight that really intrigues me is in the heavyweight division featured mm-hmm. about here on pay-per-view Greg Hardy, slight underdog plus plus one fifteen or so against Ty Tuivasa. Uh, will you have action on this fight, Joe? Yeah. I like Tuivasa here uh, coming to this one. I'm not going to come out and make a case for him competing for a title anytime soon, but this is almost more of a fate of Greg Hardy. Uh, Greg Hardy, you know, a ton of talent, 
a ton of raw athleticism, but not a whole lot of evolution here. And Hurdy is successful when he's able to overwhelm an opponent. And the opponents that he's been able to overwhelm are guys that haven't had a whole lot of success in the UFC. You take a look at his wins. Maurice Green, he's one and four in his last five fights. DeCastro, three straight losses. Juan Adams, no longer in the UFC after right. three straight losses. And Smolikov, sorry, if, I don't know if that's, that's how you pronounce it. But uh, 0-3 in the UFC, finished all three times. So when he's in there with a more experienced fighter, he gets in situations that he doesn't know how to get out of, right? And, and Tuivasa, a very durable guy. I think he can weather that storm in the first round. And uh, he can avoid being overwhelmed by Hardy. I do like the momentum that Tui Voss is coming into this fight with. Yeah. Two straight first-round victories, has four total finishes in the UFC. So, yeah, Hardy, when he goes to that next level, he tends not to be very impressive. And I do think Tui Voss is a, uh, a step up the ladder for him uh, coming into this fight. All right, a lot of our experts pretty bullish on tied to Ivasa this weekend. Final question for me in terms of weathering the storm. This is just a selfish parenting question, but I know you have young children. Yes. Like, what time do you wake up in the Eastern Standard Time zone on a pay-per-view Saturday so you're able to be awake when Connor walks at like 12.30 a.m. Eastern? Oh, dude, so I, I got <laughs> a, a deal with my wife where typically we do this every weekend, whether it's a UFC pay-per-view weekend or not, where I wake up one of the days and she wakes up the other. Right. So she'll wake up, she'll wake up, I'll wake up on the Saturdays, which means I'm usually up at like 7 a.m. So that means it's a cup of coffee and a monster energy drink yeah. uh, day for me, right? And usually when we have a big fight, like it could, I could sleep three hours an hour the night before a Conor McGregor fight. And I'm just on the edge of my seat with my, my heart beating, right? Just the adrenaline. I always sleep absolutely fucking horribly after a big <laughs> UFC card too. Right. So I'll be sleeping in on Sunday, uh, a yeah. pretty good arrangement here that's at good. home. That's uh, so that's what I would recommend to uh, the listeners out there who might be in a similar situation. All right. Well, if you want to fade or follow or just ingest his insight on social media at JTFOZ at Paper Chaser Joe, the great Joe Osborne wouldn't be a wouldn't be a pay-per-view week without you, buddy. Uh, enjoy the fights this weekend and we will talk to you uh, in about three weeks. Great, guys. Thanks again for having me on. Good luck to you. And good luck to all the listeners out there. Thank you, buddy. How about that hair on Joe Osborne today? I mean, kids looking good, man. I mean, sometimes he wears a hat with us, but he looks good uh, today. <laughs> Whoo. All right. So a lot of people were wondering if Ray Longo was going to join us today. We did a Q&A yesterday, or last week, I should say. Got him all over yeah. the goddamn joint. Did a Q&A last week. Longo was not a part of it. But this is one of the bigger shows we do in advance of uh, a pay-per-view of this magnitude. Let's get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Hey, happy Fourth of July! They screwed me over again. What well, I, I thought you were doing a Q and A? That was last week. Wow, I'm a little uh, look at this guy off guard. Do you like Holy. my shirt? Let me see. Oh man, I see Ray Longo faces all over the place now. Yeah, so. Tom Gervasi, <laughs> and it's great to have Ray Longo with us. So oh, Tom he's a, Gervasi, a nice guy, Tom, yeah. So he bought a T-shirt at AnnaFlorianPodcast.com, the Ray Longo face shirt that says, punch a hole in his fucking shirt, right? Yeah. By the way, what, how, how late did you go to bed last night? Late. 
Yeah. <laughs> it Sorry, about weekend. I wish somebody would have told me. I would have been, I would have definitely been there at 11. No, I, I, I apologize sure for. So the reason I didn't text you yesterday is that, as you can see, I'm in Vegas. The UFC scrambled oh, to get me oh, out to Vegas shit. early because of Hurricane Elsa. So oh, I was scrambling to just get out here. So I didn't text you yesterday. Oh, shit. You know, no, I got in you. the uh, usual slot. But essentially for the last 300 Mondays or so, we've gone <laughs> 11 a.m. Eastern. So uh, The last time I remember, we were doing 6 o'clock. Yeah. So, uh, well, you look great. I mean, as always, I don't oh, really, know oh, really? how good your skin looks. Uh, so, but yeah, so I got my Ray Longo minute t-shirts and I'm just going to wear these around Vegas and, uh, just promote the hell out of you. As, oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Right. Nice. All right. So we're getting you at the end of the show as opposed to the beginning. So at this point in time, we've talked a lot about Dustin and Connor. Um, but as we sit here about five days out, I just sort of want to get your thoughts on, on this fight. You can certainly give us a prediction if you want, but, Interesting circumstance that we went essentially seven years between meetings, one and two, and now we have like six or seven months between meetings two and three. So what are your thoughts on Connor and Dustin and what might be different than what we saw back in January? Uh, you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, seven years, right? I mean, at one at the, seven years ago, Connor was a way more hungrier fighter, right? I mean, he was on his way up, and I think that you know it happens. It goes almost goes back to maybe because I did pick Connor to win the last fight, and he right. didn't. Uh, but it's almost like the Marvin Hagler saying, you know, it's hard to get up and jog at six in the morning when it's two degrees out, right? So I mean, he did on his way up, man. You know, the guy was. You have that drive and that dedication, that motivation, you know, everything else. And, um, you know, he's had a couple of losses uh, in between that time. And I, I think that's what you're saying. Like, he, look, he knows the, adjust, the adjustments he has to make to win this fight. I'm not sure he could do it. You know, I don't know who I'm picking in this fight, but I'm leaning towards Dustin. I think he, he's now has his number. And uh, you know, you looked ahead. There was a, there were exchanges. Dustin got hit, so that he could get he could get thrown out of there too. You know. Ooh, we are ready to go today. I no, love it. I'm gonna get tortured today. But he's uh, trying to do a show. Leave him alone for peace. Yeah, I can't even put it on silent Jeez. because it somehow still goes through to the computer. But uh, but you know, what I'm saying like so. Kind of knows the adjustments he has to make, and I'm sure he's gonna make some adjustments. It's I don't know if it's gonna be enough. I mean. Dustin's got a great gas tank. That's probably never going to be there for Connor. You know what I mean? No matter what, because he, you know, it'd be a little better. It should be at 55, but, um, man, it's going to be a tough one, man. He, I think he's got to get him out early or that fight gets, it looks the same as it did last time. Kenny, so much has been made of this whole silk sheets garbage, right? And I don't mean mm -hmm. it's garbage when Ray brings it up, right? But yeah. Yeah. Connor has all the money in the world. And by coming back, he put his MMA legacy, not in jeopardy per se, right? But you come back the way he has. And there's a lot of risk. You all of a sudden you come back, you lose two fights to Dustin Poirier. Like it effectively changes your legacy forever. So I'm not saying that I don't buy into the silk sheet stuff at all, but like, like, where is it quantifiable? Like in training when they want him to do another round and he just doesn't feel like it because my indicators suggest that he is working exceedingly hard and that the hunger remains. Like, I just don't wholly buy into this narrative. Uh, I, I, I think, I think, I think that first, yeah. Kenny, though, just for, yeah, his hunger yeah. remains, but it remains in the whiskey company. You know, there's a lot going on, John. That's a lot of money to have thrown at you. That, yeah. That's yeah. silk, uh, silk, 
Sheets analogy isn't just about that. It's about the whole, you know, uh, becoming softer thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think you're mentally, you're still there. You want that, you know, you're a fighter. You that that's a given, but are you doing the same things you were doing that got you there? That's the question. Forget about the silk sheets. Are you doing the same things you were doing to get you there? And I'm saying with all the things he's got going on and the lawsuits and the whiskey companies, the money being thrown at him, now he has a kid. He has different responsibilities. That's what it means. It's not just, you know, getting up and doing your road work. There's a whole combination of things that I think we could we could point out a lot of cases of that. But I'm sorry. It just had that on my head. No, absolutely. And I and I think, um, you know, besides Ray's point, and I guess I'll go a little bit further on it, um, I, I think he's absolutely correct. Um, I, I think that it is a very different dynamic preparing for a fight when you have all of those things around you than you did when you were first starting. The hunger and all those things, is, it's just a different deal. I, I think that Connor wants to train for fights. I think he wants to train hard for fights. I think where that dynamic reveals itself is when you are getting beaten down and you start to go, wait a sec, I got a really comfortable bed and I got a real comfortable private plane that I can go back to and I got a yacht waiting for me and I got all these other things waiting for Like, I, I don't have to do this. Oh, yeah. Whereas if you're like, this is my only way out, yeah. It's a very different thing. Yeah. Right? It's the same thing. If I drop you off in the middle of the ocean, the Gracies used to use this analogy all the time. If I drop you off in the middle of the, of the ocean and I say, hey, you know what? Um, I don't know if I'm coming back. Right? Your willingness to give up is going to be very different if I go, I'll be back in 10 hours. You're going to do everything possible. Because, so that willingness to survive, that willingness to, to know that you're going to be saved or you have something waiting for you is very different. And like Ray said, you know what? Seven years ago, I don't think Rihanna was calling him. I don't think, right. you know, Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi and all these other people were hitting him up left and right and asking him if he wants to go to the club or, you know, if Lamborghini's giving him a call to see if he wants to be a brand ambassador. You know, it's a totally different deal. Yeah. You know, you think about the, the amount of interviews Joe Blow does and the amount of interviews that Conor McGregor does. Yeah, you think about who, who hits you up when you're when a nobody and who hits you up when you're famous, who, yeah. who, how many invites you get when you're a nobody and how many invites you get when you're the biggest athlete on the planet. It's a totally different thing. How do you shut this off? Can you shut it up? It's possible. It's not yeah, easy. A hundred. He's, I mean, the, that's what I'm saying. It's not the saying it's what goes along. It's, it's just the yeah. analogy. And it, there's a million things you're on your way to training. Like Kenny says, again, Lamborghini calls up. They go, we got a million dollar deal for you. You're calling your trains and going, look, man, I just got a call. I got to get a dude. It's, it sets a vibe that then even your trainers probably start going, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like I'm sitting here like a schmuck and you know, this guy's yeah. running around making deals, which is great. But, yeah. Great. But then at the same time, in 24 hours, you can make a million dollars for showing up and, and signing autographs. You're like, exactly. But if oh, you, you know, <laughs> Yeah, but if you think that's the same as when you're coming up and you're just right. doing anything, and you know, you know, I remember like you know we took that fight with Sakara with Weidman, man. I had my daughter come down to the gym at ten at night so I could give him a work because we just got the news and we had to get going. We had like two weeks or whatever. I mean, she came down, babysat his little girl. She was probably a year old, two years wow. old. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not happening now. You know what I mean? Also, what does it do for you? That'll watch the kid. That's why. But yeah. (laughs) And what is it? 
Yeah. Right. And what does it do for you mentally, right? When yeah. you go from being able to train in silence to train comfortably, no one's trying to bother you, to you can't walk anywhere. And if you are walking somewhere, everyone's trying to shake your hand and tell you how great you are. And I don't yeah. care who you are, right? And what kind of you know steel trap you have for a mind, yeah. right? You're gonna start to believe that shit. And yeah. everyone says that you know your shit doesn't stink. You're the greatest thing ever. And they, oh my god, you're a god and all this stuff. You start to believe it, and that's yeah. where overconfidence can come into play. Whereas before, you're like, hey, I know I can be beat. I know yeah. I'm coming up. I know what a, a sticky gym feels like. You know, I all, all those things play a dynamic that that is that is difficult to deal with. I I I, I couldn't agree more. It, it, it's the truth. That's why I say he wins this fight. I'll be super impressed. Super impressed with that win because this is what he has to deal with. Even that thing on ESPN when he came out of the, whole, uh, the restaurant and he shadowed about This guy did a great job. He wrote the book on how to brand yourself. He really did. Yeah. If you have the skill set, and he had the skill set to back it up, and he did a great job. You know, I've grown to really, you know, like that end of it, you know. But the fighting end now, and, and again, you could you could answer this question easy. All you gotta do is talk to those coaches and get an honest conversation. They will a hundred but they they know what's going on. Yeah. They're about the only people that probably know, but they know what's going on. And yeah, I'm this, not sure this is fantastic. You know what I mean? Like in some yeah. footage here of Conor McGregor just mobbed by fans leaving the restaurant. But I'm not sure that we can draw analogies in our own lives, right? Because all three of us are public figures to whatever degree, right? But I listened to a podcast Kenny did recently where he said something like, I still have to work, you know? And yeah. we all still have to work. But I think back to 2003, I'm living in an apartment in Newton, Massachusetts. My rent is 600 bucks a month and I couldn't pay my rent. And I call my dad, who I don't really have a great relationship with, but I'm like, hey man, like I, I can't pay my rent. He's like, dude, I don't know what to tell you. I might have like a savings bond from your bar mitzvah from 1991 that I can send you found a savings bond. And that's how I paid my rent. And it was only 18 years ago. But yeah. for me, like procedurally in terms of my work ethic or my fighter cards or like my process hasn't changed at all. But I think part of it is because I have to go earn this job and earn this paycheck every week. Whereas he, he doesn't need to be doing this. And that's, yeah. I think, why a lot of us are so impressed that he's doing this because he's back for legacy. Like he's yeah, back. Yeah, he yeah. wants more scalps on his MMA resume, period. That's why he's back. Yeah, he might want them, but is he willing to work for them is the way he did at the beginning? That's the question. And and listen, I agree, I agree with you. But you know, I think I think even just talking about Ma Marvin Haglu said that, dude, that guy 14 title defenses. What was it? He, the guy was insane. Steady Eddie, same guy every fight. That guy was amazing when you look back. And I really highly recommend that Four Kings documentary that's on Showtime now. Absolutely phenomenal. That was a golden era of boxing. There's a lot to be learned from each one of those guys, man. Who stuck around too long? Who didn't? Yeah, it was a great, great documentary series. It really was. That's a. I really everybody should watch that. Ken Flo, you're muted, my man. Uh, and another lesson from that, you know, Marvin Hagler used to go over to Provincetown. He'd go to P-Town, right, the very tip of the Cape, to go yeah. and train. He would go isolate himself from uh -huh. everyone, everyone and, and anyone, right? That's where he would go to do his, his hardcore training camps with the Petronelli brothers out of Brockton. And, you know, um, a good sign is that Connor has done that here. He has yeah. brought his whole team. He has isolated himself. He has, has really worked hard on trying his best to basically – 
cancel out that noise. So that is a good sign, John, and I agree. He doesn't have to do this. The fact that he's coming back to fight is a good sign in my mind, but when the going gets tough, that's where we're going to find out what Connor is. And if Con like Ray, I was saying earlier, if we see Connor go five hard rounds and get a win, even if he loses and he goes hard and he fights through all those things, then Connor is back. He's we'll a winner. I, I agree with Kenny 100%. It's not about winning or losing. It's about showing up. And if he does that, he's a winner and he'll he'll be way more popular, win or lose. He really will be. It's not a, I've seen, look, I remember Matt losing. He got more fans right. with a loss. You know, it's not, it's about the effort you put in, right? Nobody wants it. that. That's it. Kenny's 100% right. We see that guy and, and we'll be able to tell. That's a different animal, you know what I mean? And that'll be people will appreciate that. Joe Osborne just touched on sort of the lost developmental time for Conor McGregor during the prime of his career when he went to box Floyd Mayweather. And we can't necessarily quantify that, Kenny, right? But with Poirier, we absolutely can. He has left no stone unturned for 15 years, yeah. right? There haven't been there hasn't been a stretch of six weeks where he hasn't been working to try to improve himself as a mixed martial artist in all discipline, bringing it. I mean, dude, like the, even the boxing work he does with Daya Davis, like Dustin Poirier would realize success in a professional boxing realm. Like he would, that matters, you know? Yeah. And so I just think for Connor, there were huge pockets, not of inactivity per se, but he hasn't been hell bent and tunnel focused on improving his mixed martial arts game for every minute of the last 10 years, the way the guys he's competing against in theory have been doing. So I don't know. And, and again, you can't give Dustin enough credit for how he persevered and all the fights he's had, and he's still looking great. And he's, he's steady Eddie. He's going to show up. You know what I mean? So he, he's definitely showing up. Uh, that's a tough one, man. You know, because again, I picked Connor to win the last time. This time, he's got to make some adjustments. But those adjustments, I think, at this point in his career, might it might be asking too much. I, I don't know. All right, two other things on UFC 264 that I want to get to. So, Sugar Sean O'Malley needed an opponent. Louis Smolka had staph infection, right. and I know Sean O'Malley has talked at times about wanting to maybe fight opponents based upon what he's being paid. That if you want me to fight Dominic Cruz, then rip up my contract and pay me something that is more commensurate with fighting a former two-time UFC Bantamweight champion. But I was very encouraged when Sean O'Malley called out Ricky Simone to step in because Ricky Simone had thrown his name in the hat, not unlike your guy, Marab Dwalish Willie had. Now, I don't think any of us expected him to fight Marab. And of course, Marab has the Marlon Ice fight already on yeah. the schedule. And I don't believe Ricky Simone had a fight, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on how that all played out. Simone throwing his hat into the mix, but then when he seemingly gets the fight, can't make weight. And now they settle on a regional guy out of new England and Chris Motino. Any thoughts on how it played out for uh, O'Malley? Uh, man, I would have loved to have seen the Simone fight. I could tell you that. I mean, right, that would be a too. great fight. I mean, now he's fighting an unknown. So, uh, man, you bring up the money thing and the contract. I, I we want to go. I mean, do you, can you blame the guy? But at this stage of his career, I think he should be fighting and let the chips fall where they are. They, they seem to have worked out for a lot of other people that had talent and had charisma and had, you know, a sideshow like he has. So, uh, if you really be <clears throat> believe in yourself, I think at this stage he had to go for it. Uh, fighting an unknown, I don't think is going to do one thing for him. Like that, that's risky. Right. You know that that's right. really because even if he doesn't get rid of this guy right away, see, it's almost the the opposite of Connor. If he goes five hard rounds, but if this guy goes three rounds with an unknown, 
<clears throat> and it's yeah. you know kind of close it's going to be a negative on him so uh that that stuff's that it's that the contract stuff is really tough though man if that's what he's thinking but i would have loved to have seen a ricky simone fight uh and obviously i would have loved to have seen him a rob fight but i, I didn't think that was i i was He's got to concentrate on Marlon, and that's of what course. he's got to do. And got I did to, not expect O'Malley to, yeah, right. to exactly. land on the name Ricky Simone, right? I was yeah. super impressed that he was willing to fight Ricky Simone. But, Ken Flo, sometimes I feel like O'Malley can't win because he calls for the Simone fight, and, and then everybody says, yeah, he knows Ricky Simone is out of shape, and that's why he wants the fight. And it's like, well, hey, man, like Simone is still an offensive force, and I think stylistically an interesting if not super challenging matchup for Sean O'Malley. So to me, I was very much encouraged that, that Sean called out Ricky, even though Simone wasn't able to, yeah. uh, to make the walk, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. He's in a, he's in a weird spot because everybody, you know, he's got so much hype behind him. Everybody wants to attack him. And, you know, if, if you were developing a guy, this is a good fight for him. You know what I mean? How many fights does O'Malley have in the UFC? Uh, I can look it up for you. I mean, it's 13 and one overall, maybe five or six, you know, Yeah, five or six. So yeah, Yeah. he's, uh, he's good, man. He's a talented kid. So he's the fights he gets are going to be very important, you know, in his growing process. You know what I mean? Fights in the UFC for, uh, for sugar, Sean O'Malley, who I don't believe is ranked right now. I I got that saying, you know, cream always rises to the top. You know, (laughs) you, you can't stop. Nobody was stopping Connor on the way up. It just was in the cards, man. You know what I mean? And if this kid's the real deal, nobody will stop him. But he's already been stopped. You know what I mean? That's the yeah. problem. So he's got, he's got a long way to go. But he is super talented. He's got the height. He's got, you know, his boxing skills look awesome to me. So I, I definitely like him. <clears throat> but uh, this fight, seeing him fight a guy, you know, from a newcomer, I don't think was a, was a good move. And the Lewis Smolka fight didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, yeah. essentially fighting a, a blown up flyweight. Skilled, no doubt about it, UFC credentialed, but fighting yeah. a blown up flyweight uh, when you're trying to chase the bantamweight top right. 15 uh, just didn't make a whole lot of sense. And that's why I got so excited at the possibility of a fight between him and Ricky Simone. All right, we'll get you out of here on this, Ray. Couple guys who you really like: WB Stephen Wonderboy Thompson taking on Gilbert Durino Burns. Um, I'd imagine you feel like this is a pretty good matchup for Wonderboy. What do you think about the co-main event? Yes, yeah, so I think it's going to be. Uh, he's going to do the same thing he always does. You know, he's going to keep him on the outside. He's going to pick him apart. Be, I think it'll be similar to the Luke fight, but I think he'll get Burns out of there. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, I think that's about all I have for you. What do you got going on this week? I'm sorry that we're not going to see you in Vegas. Ken Flo and I are are actually going to get to see each other for the first time in like three years because wow. he's out here to corner Ryan Hall. Oh wow! Oh man, is Ryan Hall who do you, who's he fighting? And he's fighting Elia Tapuria, undefeated kid uh, who trains out of Spain. He's a a, a Georgian kid, uh, oh, tough God. tough fighter. Yeah. And they finally made this poor guy's finally got a fight. It's another guy. <laughs> it's been one thing or another, man. He's got uh, no luck at all. Blood tests or yeah. So uh, anyways, we're good. We're ready. Good. Good luck with that, man. Thank you. Thank um, yeah, that's it, man. I, I mean, I mean, I wish I was there because I think uh, extra rounds is going to be there too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How about I that? I couldn't get out of the show. Without, I don't even know. But, uh, but anyway, I got a kid, Austin Halleck, fighting. I hope there's nobody else fighting this Saturday. He's an amateur, but it'll be his first MMA fight. And he's been oh, nice. helping all the pros. He's a young kid, maybe 20 years old. And 
he looks absolutely phenomenal. So I'm psyched on that. And then uh, we'll sit down and we'll watch the big, big fight card, UFC, but um bump Well, you look good. You look lean and mean. You look like you had a nice 4th of July. Thanks for the birthday text, by the way. Do you see the nice post Kenny Florin oh, yeah. helped me on Instagram? I'm like, <laughs> so nice. My wife was like, man, that Kenny post was really something. <laughs> I, I hope I – did I at least comment on it? No, let me say something. No, you missed my birthday completely. Not no, unlike I didn't miss it completely. the UFC. I... You know, Brittany Palmer's birthday is big news. Bruce Buffer, oh. Joe Rogan. We ain't sure. Oh, wow. That's just, hey, that's just totem pole. That's just where I stand. I'm not on the team <laughs> list of people who get a birthday shout-out from Didn't that. I get to... <laughs> Didn't I speak to you last year? Listen, I'm getting old, man. My brain, my brain is absolutely fried. Quite all right. And when you That's get to birthday. be closer to fifty than thirty, you actually hope that people, uh, that people forget. <laughs> Don't forget. Yeah. Uh, but hey, it's great to see you, and um, we'll be we'll be back next Monday. I'll be I'll be sitting at the same goddamn residence in. Uh, oh man, wait is it is the quarantine still the same same deal? I don't know about the quarantine. I can tell you that for vaccinated individuals, we don't have to test. Well, really? Right? So that's we don't. Need, I, what I hear, we don't even need to wear a mask. Is what I'm hearing. No mask. Now how? how uh, no mask. How diligent are they looking at whether or not those uh, those cards are for real or not? Do the they have like any, cards? Yeah. Do they have an expert on that, or can you show? Yeah, them it's that? like a, it's just like a cardboard thing with with someone's signature <laughs> right. on it. I mean, you know, it's nothing fancy. If I brought, so, if, I brought a piece, if I brought a piece of paper with my wife signing off saying I was vaccinated, <laughs> you think that would be okay? Or yeah, yeah like twenty of like it. It's like a it's like a note from your parent for why you missed yeah, homework right, or something, right. Yeah. right? Yeah. But wouldn't that be something if if we're still quarantined on Friday night before doing a show with twenty thousand people at T Mobile Arena on Saturday? Uh, but I, don't, I think I think we're free and clear. Um, yeah. Well, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the call today. Uh, sorry that I didn't give you more notice, but um, always <laughs> well, great you- to see your shining face. Go through that whole thing again. We've been doing the show at 11 o'clock for three yeah, years. Yeah, well, you know, it's our 307th episode. You know, it's usually Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern. But, uh, what, happened, what, happened, uh, what happened last week? I was sitting here at my computer with my thumb up my ass. <laughs> I texted you last week. I texted you. I said I texted you in advance of the show yeah. saying, that, hey, we're just doing a Q&A with the fans. We won't need you today. Yeah, I, I mean, thought you didn't say we won't need. You said we're doing a Q and A. I thought I was involved. I was sitting here with my popcorn. I had a cup of tea with me. I was are waiting. You serious? You know how many Why questions didn't you I tell got? Me that, that was the case. I'm gonna. <laughs> oh my god! I say I'm sending the army after you, man. Birthday. Oh my god! I might have released the dogs. Maybe my communication could have been more clear, but I said this was at eight eleven a.m. last okay. Monday. Let's hey, just a heads up: no show today. We're just doing a thirty minute Q and A. And you wrote, okay, thanks. Um, but, but, but Kenny, no more clear. Today. Yeah, yeah, so you just, thought it was a Q&A. You're yeah. like, oh, no show, but I'm going to be a part of the Q&A. Yeah, right, exactly. I'll be a part of the Q&A. Yeah. And then one of my guys told me, I guess you got fucked again. That's what I heard when I got to the gym. I guess you got fucked over again. This guy's crying about his birthday. I'm sitting here at the computer waiting to get a question. I'm looking at a blank screen. Uh, you think that's cool? <laughs> you get drunk. You get oh a my God. <laughs> the nerve on this guy. You get a pain oh in your heart when you say that. Does you get a, a little pain in your heart when you I say mean, that? 
I doesn't my shirt speak volumes? I'm wear, wearing your fucking name on my shirt all around Las Vegas today. You'll like, get. I don't even believe it. Ray's been Ray. You must have. I mean, at least it doesn't matter. You weren't. You weren't uh, being a part of the show. You were working on that tan at yeah. least yeah. every day this week. Yeah. Look at that thing. That thing uh, is so he's getting a he's getting a belated birthday late. I feel absolutely horrible about. Hey, it. I was bringing up our researcher Tom Gerbasi though, wearing yeah. the t-shirt, uh punch a hole in his fucking chest, right? Anticloriumpodcast.com. So he's at a Barnes and ever. Noble. Um on my birthday incidentally on July 3rd and um he said somebody came up to him and was like that's an Anakin Florian podcast t-shirt. I listen to those guys every week. Gervasi <laughs> was like, wow, I didn't expect you to recognize the t-shirt so quickly. They just went on sale. And he was, he just looked at him. He said, Ray Longo. <laughs> of course. A New York legend. At Barnes and Noble in Brooklyn, New York. So, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I heard, I heard there's a lot of guys just buying those shirts, young guys, just so they go out to a Ray. bar. They're getting laid a lot easier now. Uh-huh. With that shirt on. Seriously. Ray, that, been- that's what I heard. I heard one of Facts. my guys Dude, I got laid. I haven't been laid in a month. I'm just <laughs> glad I've already ordered my my my. It's gonna be a, a fluorescent green Lamborghini is the one that I've picked out with all the Ray Longo merchandise we've been selling. I I got mine already picked out. Thank <laughs> I, you, Ray. You guys, you guys are the. Let me tell you something. You know that saying with friends like you, who needs enemies? I mean, this is horrible. <laughs> <Okay. thing. laughs> well, well, that's for sure. Oh. <laughs> I think I'm gonna I'll go. I'll let you look at it. I'll give yeah. you a ride in it. I'll give you a ride in it one day. How's that? No, maybe That's I'll, how I'll, I'll give back. Well, you know what? When I see, I'll wax it for you. Just to add it to the I'll well, I vow, for you. I vow to be better about the communication here too. Oh, We're definitely going to send you a check. And one thing I say in total seriousness right here, Ray, Wait, your, t-shirt, your t-shirt with punched a hole in his fucking chest is far and away. <laughs> The bestseller on the website. You know, I don't know if it's sort of a shot at me and Ken. Oh, I mean, the album cover, the Anakin Florian podcast with us mean mugging with the parental advisory explicit content. Those have sold exceedingly well as well. But the Ray Longo merch uh, consistently sells better than anything with our names on it. Kenny, I got to get an accountant to audit this whole process. (laughs) No, 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 we're good. We're good. I got to clean up the books a little bit. I got to get forensic. I got a good forensic account. He'll be over there next week. Yeah. While you're in Vegas, they'll be ripping apart your house. <laughs> Looking at your heart. Oh, man. We're in trouble. We're hey, in trouble. Uh, thanks for uh, your myriad contributions to the show. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay? All right. I wish I was in a bad way. I feel, I feel left out again. <laughs> One of these days we'll do a show when we're all in person together. So. Yeah, I'm starting to feel like Rodney Dangerfield on this show. <laughs> you yeah, I get like no it. respect. We'll just fly. We'll fly right down to Florida for the PFL playoffs. So we'll get the whole band together. There we together. go. Yeah, there there we, go. we go. All right, guys. Listen, man. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. I love you guys, and I love will you talk too, to you brother. Soon. Take yeah, it easy, man. Too, right. Bye. Great. Ray Longo every week Jeez, here man. on the Anakin Florian Podcast. All right. Don't forget AnakinFlorianPodcast.com. If you do want the merchandise, there is a Teespring store there. Uh, and I believe the code is AF10 for 10% off your order. Also, don't forget FlowTube, Ken Flo's YouTube channel. If you are not subscribing, I suggest you do so. Subscribe to us, too, if you would be so kind. Uh, and we'll see you for UFC 264. I've got a lot of content coming your way this week. Some DraftKings stuff. Uh, hoping to launch our first anecdotes with DraftKings this week. We also We'll have UFC live for you on Friday. And I believe we're going two full hours on ESPN and not ESPN two. And of course wow. a massive pay-per-view beckons this weekend. Ken Flo, you're uh, you're flying out Wednesday. So I'll see you in a couple days. Yeah. 
Yes, sir, man. Can't wait. Been too all long. And all the best to uh, to Ryan Hall against Ilya Topuria. Thank, Thank you. you to our guest, Joe Osborne, Ian Parker, Ray Longo, our executive producer. The best in the business is Cody Merrill. With that, for Ken Flo, I'm John Anderson. saying so long for this week. Enjoy the pay-per-view. Thank you all for listening, for subscribing, for watching. Until next week, don't text and drive. Yo, later.